There were walls between us. By the cross, you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By the grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. darkness shaking all the dead are coming back to life I'm back to life hear the song awaken all creation singing we're alive cause you're alive you called me out of the grave you called me into the light you called my name and then my heart came alive you love is greater your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. And what a love we found, death can't hold us down. We shout it out, we're alive, cause you're alive. What a love we found that can't hold us down. We shout it out, we're alive, cause you're alive. And what a love we found that can't hold us down. We shout it out, we're alive, cause you're alive. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens. Awakens, awakens me. Your love awakens me. Amen. You can be seated. We want to welcome you to Broadway 1109. We are so glad you're here this morning. If you're new with us, maybe you're a guest or your first time here, we are especially glad that you're here and we want to say welcome. Uh, we are thankful and honored that you would spend an hour out of your week with us. If you don't care, there's a little perforated tab on the corner of your bulletin. We hope you got one of those as you came in. If you would tear that out, fill it up. 
tear that off, fill it out, and then you can drop it in our offering plate here in just a few moments, or if you missed that, that's okay. There's a second opportunity. You can drop that at our Welcome Center located in the back of our sanctuary. That's our record of your visit here. We just want to get to know you a little bit. We're not going to sell your information or anything like that. Uh, we just want to get to know you and how we can best minister to you and your family. Uh, so if you don't care to do that for us, that can be your contribution to our service this morning. Again, we are so thankful and honored that you're here. Uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to move into uh, our time of communion together this morning. Father, we thank you for another day that we can have breath and have life and live to praise you. God, we pray that this morning as we move through our worship time together, God, we pray that you are exalted, that you're praised, that yours is the only name that's lifted high because, God, you're the only one that's worthy of it. And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to come and gather together this morning and worship you corporately as a church. Lord, I thank you for our time. I thank you for all that you bless us with and for the grace that you show us through Jesus as we're about to celebrate through the Lord's Supper. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Today we want to do it right there in the central part of our worship service. So we're going to have a time where we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and I'll certainly explain that when we get to that point. But the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is for believers. If you are a born-again believer, this is for you. This is when we remember the blood of Jesus. That's what the juice represents, and the bread represents Jesus' body. So we're remembering what He did on the cross. He observed the Lord's Supper during at the upper room, his final meal with his disciples. So I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper this morning.
seated. During the time of the Lord's Supper, Jesus is there with his disciples, and there was a piece of unleavened bread, and he picks it up, and he explains. This is this, this is his night before he's about to get arrested and crucified and die the next day. He picks up the piece of bread, and he said, disciples, men, this represents my body. I'm giving my body. It's going to be broken for you. So, and he told us at the Lord's Supper, that upper room in Jerusalem, he said, do this in remembrance of me. This is why we observe this. It's not because this saves us. We do it to remember Jesus because if, if he didn't tell us to do this, we would forget. And part of being a believer is always being reminded of the cost that God sent his son in the human flesh, to die for us. He picked up that piece of bread, and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our bread. God, we thank you for this bread. We've come this morning, on the Lord's day, the day of resurrection, remember that the body that was crucified for us, the body that died, is now alive. He is risen, and he's in heaven. You're in heaven, Lord. We thank you for this bread. We know this represents... You gave your life for us. We should never forget the cost and never cheapen the grace that you gave for us on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There with his disciples, after he passed around the bread, he then picked up the cup. So we're going to distribute the cup. Deacons, if y'all stand up. deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His How great the pain of 
similar to this he's there in the upper room and he picked up a cup and he explained that the cup it represents his blood remember in the old testament you read the old testament books and how they would bring these sacrifices at the temple and the priests would sacrifice animal and the the blood would spill over the altar and that would be the forgiveness of sins for the jewish folks there at the temple in the old testament jesus when he ushered in the new covenant he says you no longer have to do that my blood is what is spilling over the altar and that's the forgiveness of sins so he picked up the cup and he's sharing with his disciples that his offering on the cross which would have been the next day would be for everyone we no longer have to bring an animal to the temple to make a sacrifice jesus is that sacrifice he picked up the cup like this and he prayed over it. let's pray over our cup god we thank you for this cup we know this cup represents your blood you went to the altar for us we thank you for dying and shedding your blood By his blood, we are healed. We thank you for the sacrifice you've made. Lord, we never want to forget the cost. Lord, you are our offering so we can be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. After his disciples celebrated the Lord's Supper, it says that they sang a hymn and departed. We're not going to sing a hymn, we're going to sing a praise song, and we're not going to depart yet. So I'm going to invite our band, we're going to resume our worship experience, and certainly honoring and worshiping the Lord. Chris? Let's stand as we worship together this morning.
From the darkness I called your name Into darkness your mercy came You called me out Lifted me up How great is your love You bore my weakness You took my shame Buried my burdens In fields of grace You called me out Lifted me up How great is your love From the heights of heaven You stepped down to earth Innocent perfection you gave your life for us and we are amazed yes we stand it all for we have been changed by the power of the cross how great how great how great is your love how great how great how great is your love how great how great, how great is your love for us. In your kindness, you lead me home. In your presence, when I belong, you called me out, lifted me up. How great. down to earth in a sin perfection you gave your life for us and we are amazed yes we stand in all for we have been changed by the power of the cross how great how great how great is your love how great how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love for
together this morning. Rumors of the Son of Man, stories of the Savior, holiness with human hands, treasure for the traitor, no ear has heard, no eye has seen. of the Father until heaven came to live with me a rescue like no other sing it to him this morning you are worthy you are worthy of your name you are
together. You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my hiding place. You're my helper, my healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle, my anchor for all my days. And you stand by my side, and you stood in my place. No other name
I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward as we pray together. Lord, we thank you for the time that we've had together this morning, for the opportunity that you have given us to praise your name. Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the opportunity that we've had this morning to remember the grace that you showed us so freely and so lovingly through your son Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. God, we love you. We praise your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. for see you at the poll which is wednesday if you are a middle or high school or even a college student when i went to sanford i used to i used to go to that you can go to your school's flagpole it's always on the fourth wednesday of every september and you meet there and you pray you surround the flagpole and you hold hands and you go to the lord in prayer so it's always a powerful time of worship there as well as being a bold witness at your, at your local school. So um, I want to encourage our, uh, our students to consider that and try to get to school early on Wednesday and meet at your flagpole. So I know the Broadway Student Ministry will be at Jesse Clark Middle School giving out or passing out North Lime Donuts this coming Wednesday with that. Anyway, we're so glad you're here at our 1109 worship service. I Hopefully you received a bulletin, so you want to go ahead and pull that out. And here in your bulletin, you can follow along. Today's a scripture passage, and you can go ahead and turn there if you want to. It's Matthew chapter 15, verses 32 through 39. Then we're going to flip over and look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 24 through 27. So we'll be looking at two different scripture verses this morning. And while you, um, while you turn there in our, in our passage, I want to give a lot. We do, um, we do business meetings six times a year, and part of the business meeting, about half of the majority of the business meeting is basically a financial update. So I want to give you an update from our stewardship committee in last Sunday's business meeting. Uh, we had our, our, our bi-monthly business meeting, and this year's budget, if you look in your bulletin on the back, you can see our weekly budget requirement is 17677 well, this year, because we started this service and we brought in a new staff member, uh, we have um, uh, more expenses this year, uh, which God has blessed us. But what has happened is we have been running behind roughly about $2,000 each week. So uh, you can see last week was actually, we almost met our goal, $17,239. But what happens is our, our giving has been about $2,000 uh, behind each week. So we're coming up soon on the fourth quarter of a year, which is usually the best quarter in giving in a church. So we hope to shrink that uh, $2,000 and make it a much smaller, even into the positive in the number of that. That being said, you know, when a church is running behind on giving, 
you always, at that point, churches always have to say, okay, let's look at everything we do here and run it through the, run it through the purpose as, okay, is what we're doing, does this reach people for Jesus? Is this, is this, is this important in fulfilling the mission of reaching Lexington and the world for Jesus Christ? That being said, one of the events we have next month, and I hope you'll come to it and bring your trunk, is called Trunk Retreat. We have 57 parking places out there. We pass out, and I'm the trunk recruiter, by the way, halfway there. Uh, we, uh, we, you bring your car, and you pass out candy. And what's happened is it's grown every year, and one of the things we have added to it, or until this week we canceled it, we brought in a rock wall, a mechanical surfboard, and a rocket ship. And all that stuff costs $2,000. And, you know, it just adds more into the trucker train. Well, because offerings are behind, we decided, hey, we're going to pull back on um, some of this. So we'll still have the animals, we'll still have tons of candy, but we're not going to have the rock wall, mechanical surfboard, and the rocket ship <laughs> trunk or treat. So that's an area I wanted to show, communicate that to y'all. That's an area that we're, we're being aware of our, of our giving because it's running behind. So events like that, we pull back. The other thing that the stewardship committee wanted to do is and the church usually, in, when you, you, we publish our monthly, uh, uh, not only attendance, but also giving and as well as budget requirements. The first of the month is always, first Sunday of the month is always the best month, always the best week if you ever watch that, those numbers. So it's usually very, uh, always a good offering. Well, then what happens, the rest of the month, like second, third week, you have offerings in there that's you know, well below the 17000 so what happens if you're a visitor at a church and you came to this church on the third or fourth Sunday and you picked up the bulletin and it's way below 17000 you think, well, my goodness, this church's offerings, they're not doing very well. When it doesn't really tell the whole story about how typically giving is in church. So Stewardship Committee, they actually met with Ray and the deacons uh, not too long. talked about how can you make that presentation more positive. So what they've suggested do is start next month in uh, October instead of pre- uh, providing every single week at the end of the month or the beginning of the month, say for the first Sunday in October, you put all of September's month numbers. So September might be, say, you were supposed to collect $80,000 and you collected $83,000. So that once a month, we publish the previous month's uh, giving record. So that's something that's going to be a change as well. I think a very positive change because it, it gives a more accurate picture instead of just popping in one Sunday, especially if it's the middle of the month, and you look at that and go, well, my goodness, what's wrong here? So that's our stewardship committee update, our deacon update for our giving. Your giving, when you give to this church, yes, it might pay for rocket ships, but it, the main purpose is for the gospel of Jesus Christ in reaching the next generation, and not just next generation, all folks. So we give we tithe as a church. 10% of our offerings go to the cooperative program. That's our tithe. And it certainly does uh, help the worldwide mission of seeing Jesus and the gospel advance with that. I hope you've turned there in your Bible to Matthew chapter 15. Once upon a time, this uh, new preacher, he showed up in Kentucky. He comes to Kentucky. And he's never been to this state before. He doesn't know the people. He was from the deep south. Is Kentucky part of the deep south? It's a borderline, borderline state. So uh, what happened, borderline for a southern state, I mean, that is what I mean. We know it's a state. But um, he comes in, and he's, he goes in his first sermon. He shows up, and he's 
very excited and he's very bold. And first thing he starts talking about, he preaches on the evil of tobacco. Smoking isn't healthy, it kills your lungs, it creates lung cancer, and Christians should honor their body and not smoke. So this young man, he stands there at the back door, this older deacon, older man, pulls him aside and says, Boy, I want you to know, young man, you know, you got a lot of farmers here in your congregation, your church, and they're raising tobacco. That's the cash crop in Kentucky, and they're putting money in that offering plate. Probably shouldn't be preaching on tobacco. Next Sunday comes along, and he thought, all right, can't preach on tobacco. I'm going to preach on liquor. So he comes in his Kentucky church, second Sunday. He starts preaching on liquor. How liquor and alcohol, it causes you to make decisions you wouldn't normally make. It causes you to do things and think things you wouldn't normally do, and it can lead you into sin. Christians shouldn't be drinking alcohol. So he's saying back there, this old deacon comes aside and says, young man, need to talk to you again, second Sunday. Says, you know, you, you can't preach on alcohol and liquor here in Kentucky. A lot of your folks in these pews, they're working at distilleries and they're making bourbon. You know, this is bourbon capital of the world and that's putting money in the offering plate. So uh, he, he thought, all right, won't preach on liquor anymore. Second Sunday, third Sunday comes along and he stands up there. This young guy, first time he's ever been a pastor, third Sunday. He starts preaching about gambling, specifically horse racing. So he's there talking about how bad it is to go to the racetrack, the horse track, and you're gambling your money away, and the only people who win at a horse track are the people who own the horse track. They're the real winners. You just end up being a loser, and you're just throwing your money away. So he's standing back there at the door. Old man comes up to him, and the preacher, I need to talk to you again. We can't preach on gambling, specifically horse racing, because here in Kentucky... A lot of folks are involved in the horse business. Haven't you heard of the Kentucky Derby the first Saturday of May? That's our business. And these folks go to this church here. So exasperated, this young pastor thinks, my goodness, can't preach on tobacco. Can't preach on liquor. Can't preach on horse racing. What can I preach on at this church in Kentucky? He just doesn't know what else to turn to. The old man turns to him and says, Son, let me tell you next Sunday what to preach on. You need to warn everybody about the danger and the evil of voodoo in Haiti. Now, it's easy to come to church and hear sermons about things that, number one, probably none of us will ever participate in voodoo. And number two, probably none of us will ever even go to Haiti. So it's easy to stand up and talk about things that do not address you. Today's sermon's on money. <laughs> We're going to be seeing what the Bible says about us being good stewards of our resources. A lot of times preachers in churches, they don't want to hear about money. They don't want to talk about it. But the truth is, when we leave this sanctuary... Some of us will go to a restaurant and you'll walk up and you won't pay with Monopoly money. You won't write IOUs and you won't stand at the register and say, is it free? No, you're going to have to pay with something. And the truth is, throughout our days, 
Every every single thing we do throughout the day, in the back of our mind, what are we asking? How much does it cost? What's the value of this? Jesus addressed this issue. Everything we see here in this, this sanctuary, everything you do at this church, guess what it costs? We all know what it costs. It costs money. Money doesn't grow on trees. It's something that God gives us resources. God gives us, blesses us, so we can be a part of a church, a church family that takes the gospel to Lexington and to Kentucky and to America and the uttermost parts of the world. And our giving supports that. So we're going to see here in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 15. I want you to follow along. This is a story here of Jesus when he came with his disciples, and he fed 4,000. Now, you say 4,000, I thought he said 5,000. In Matthew chapter 14, he fed 5,000 people, and the audience then was a Jewish audience. The next chapter, you turn your chapter 15 in your Bible, he's among a Gentile audience, and he feeds 4,000 people. So literally, within one, two chapters, Jesus just fed 9,000 plus people, And we're going to look at the leftovers that God provided. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. Otherwise, they might collapse on the way. If you have no money, you collapse on the way. But luckily with the... When you're in the presence of Jesus, he can supply your needs even when you have nothing. The disciples said to him, where can we get enough bread in this desert place to feed such a crowd? They're in the middle of nowhere. They have no money. Typical church folks. And we're out here and we've got all these folks we've got to meet these needs from. So what are we going to do? So look what Jesus says here. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked them. Seven, they said, and a few small fish. After commanding the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to disciples. And disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They collected, look at this, the leftover pieces, seven large baskets full. Now there were 4,000 men who had eaten, besides women and children. After dismissing the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. What happened here is Jesus took their seven loaves and their few small fish, and when you put something in the hands of Jesus, what does he do with it? He multiplies it. He took what little they had, he blessed it, he prayed over it, and they fed 4,000 plus people. Then they had seven large basketfuls left over. They had, le- they had nothing to begin with. And they went and left that place with lots of leftover food. That is what Christ does with his hands. When we entrust our resources and what we have to Jesus, he blesses it. Turn over in your Bibles to the book of Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. Jesus told this parable, parable is a story, about talents, which is an amount of money. And he tells this story, he gives 
one man five talents, and the man takes the five talents, he goes and he multiplies it, and he gives him ten talents. Then he got, gives two talents to another gentleman, and he doubles it, and he makes two talents, but one, or, or four talents, two times two. So they both doubled their money. But this next guy, he received one talent, and he does something wrong with his money. So that's what we're going to pick up here. The man who received one talent also approached him and said, Master, I know you're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, have what is yours. So he took his money and he goes and he buries it in the ground. He didn't even put it in PNC Bank. He didn't do anything with his money, but literally just put it in the ground for no purpose. And look at the reply of the master. This is how Jesus replies to, will reply to us when we bury our money. Bury means you've just wasted it. You've sat on it. You've done nothing with the resources that God has given you. Verse 26, his master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant, if you knew where that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then why, sh why should you have not deposited my money with the bankers? I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So at least go put it in the bank. Let me go put it in a money market account. At least I'll get something back. You put it in the ground. Like that is completely wasteful. Why would I? Could you imagine? So you're saving for a retirement and you finally retire and you go to collect your big check. And the, the, and the man who's managing your retirement account says, you know what, I want you to know about your special retirement. Let's go around back and grab a shovel. And they start shoveling up the ground. So why are we shoveling the ground? And they pull out bags of money and go, here's your money back. I saved it in the ground for you. What a waste. There went your retirement. That's what you've been working for and it's gone. It got buried in the yard. You wouldn't even know what to do. You'd be so, you'd go crazy if that occurred. That's what this man's saying. When you are wasteful, when you do nothing with the resources that God has given you, you've essentially buried your money. Look what happened to this man here. Verse 28. So take the talent from him. Jesus took it back and give it to the one who had ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him and throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There were consequences. This man that squandered what he had, Jesus judged him. He was wasteful with his resources. Our responsibility as believers, as Christians, God wants you and I to be good stewards of Three different baskets. And we're going to show them up here on the screen. If you have your insert, your bulletin insert, pull them out. We're about to talk about the three baskets. Jesus had seven baskets left over, but you have three baskets that you manage. You might not realize it, but you do. And here's what they are. Number one, the first basket, the three baskets of giving. Number one is the earned income basket. This is where you go to work and you get a paycheck. This is when you go to church and the pastor's preaching on tithing. Usually he's talking about the earned income basket. 
If you go to that restaurant I was talking about, what do you pay with? You pay with money. Where does that money come from? This is your cash flow, your earned income basket. 90% of, 95 time, 95% of the time when we think about money, this is what we're thinking about. How, where to buy, pay for our, our bills, buy gas, pay for our groceries. This is typically when you think of tithing, what you give from. This is when you go to work and you get your paycheck. This is what you work from. But the challenge with this is, for a lot of folks, for, I would say for a vast most folks, this is not their only basket that they have. There's two other baskets that God expects us to be good stewards. This is what, you, what comes, your weekly tithe comes out of your earned income basket. Number two, the second basket we see here is what we call the capital basket. Say, so what is that, preacher? If you look here on your little handout, I listed what, what the capital basket would be. Stocks, bonds, pieces of property, insurance policy, savings accounts, inheritance. Do you have, have you ever inherited money? Do you have savings accounts that are just sitting around? Or certificates of deposits that are just sitting in some bank somewhere you've actually forgotten about? And they're just making money. You don't even know what they're for. You don't even know how much they, they, they are. This is, this is an area, the capital basket, that we're actually accountable for, but it's really not part of our regular cash flow. You're the recipient. You're the owner of that, those accounts, but you really don't think of it that way. And what happens is, a lot of times, when you think about giving when you think about your resources you think about you know you look at our church we need new carpet i was talking to our maintenance man down in the fellowship hall i don't know if y'all have noticed but soon we will one day need new carpet down there i promise you there's folks in this church that have accounts sitting at some bank somewhere say old savings accounts old certificates of deposits, old stocks left over, forgotten about, that if you, if you cashed them out and you actually went and bought carpet for your church, you, wouldn't even, you wouldn't, even, wouldn't even miss a dime. You wouldn't even know the money is missing because you have forgotten about that. That is a capital basket. That's what it means to be a good steward. When that goes up in value, when that increases, God expects us to be good stewards of that. That's a talent He's given us. You've made wise investments with it. You're, you're the guy that received five talents and God's doubled it and now you have ten. And God it holds us accountable for that. He tells us you are a good and faithful servant. But there's still one more basket. Now this basket only gets cashed out one time in your life. And this is actually the most do you know you are most, you are the richest time in your life actually when you die? Did you know that? Look at this. This is called the estate basket. We're never richer than the day we die. The problem is we don't need any of it. Did y'all know that? You're with Jesus. You're in heaven. Did you know if uh, I fell over right now and had a heart attack, say Ray poisoned this chalice here and I fell over right now and I died. 
fell on the ground. Then we didn't realize it, but uh, the, the grape juice that they served Miss Sherry Osmond over there with the children's church, she's downstairs. She has fallen dead too. We've been poisoned at our church, dead, gone. We're in heaven with Jesus. Do you know we have in our will, Now we don't own very much, but we have in our will, and all it takes is one line, that whatever church we're a member of when we pass away, that church receives 12% of everything we own. That's a tithe. So that means what happens when you sell the house, sell our incredibly valuable car we drive, and all the nice, everything we own, when you cash it out, say how much were the Osmonds worth? Whatever it comes to, that attorney will finalize that in Broadway Baptist Church. You get 12%. You're tithing on retirement accounts. You're tithing on pensions, all at your own. The most uh, life insurance policy on the day you die is actually your wealthiest day of your life. But you're not going to get any of it. You're going to be with the Lord. God holds us accountable for our estate. Look at this little statement right here. If you die without a plan, I'm on this little handout in your bulletin. It's like burying God's treasure in the ground. Jesus tells us to make interest off of your money. Do you know, if you die without a will, and you haven't made arrangements, and you haven't included the, the Lord in your arrangements, you're basically saying, do you know what, I'm not going to make any future plans. I'm going to go and be with the Lord and let some court or some attorney decide where my talents go. That is poor stewardship. That is foolishness. Jesus is calling us in the parable of the talents that we are responsible for everything. These three baskets, our earned income, whatever capital we own, and our estate. We are responsible to those, to the Lord. Do you know, listen, y'all are going to fall out of your pew when you hear this. You can actually give to church, give to what you want to give to in heaven while you're with Jesus, in heaven forever. It's possible. I'm going to explain. This is a true story. I know of a lady in Georgia, and she got saved when she was at VBS as a child. She gave her life to Christ at Bible school. She loved children's ministry at her Baptist church. She served as the VBS director. She served in children's ministry. Anything she did with children, she was constantly leading people to Jesus. She loved Bible school. She died and went to heaven. She's in heaven right now. Well, she wrote in her will, her church didn't even know this. She wrote in her will that her inheritance, do you know the average, the average uh, inheritance, when someone dies, a will, is half a million dollars, remember $500,000. Remember, that includes everything. That's all, your, all of your pensions, your 401k, your house, everything you own. When someone dies, it's roughly $500,000. Well, she was about in that range. So what she did, and her pastor didn't even know this, nobody at church knew it, only her and her will attorney. She wrote in her, her will that when she dies, she wants 10% of her inheritance or her, her, um, her settlement there after all the bills are paid, 10% of what she owns to go to the church. But she doesn't want it to go to that church. She wants it to go. The Southern Baptist Convention has something called an annuity board, which means it's basically a Southern Baptist stock fund. It's located in Dallas. And what happens is she wanted to give that money. It was $50,000. She gave it to the annuity board. It's called Guidestones. 
And they put it in a fund, a stock fund, and all it did is every year it was stuck there. And every year, they could, the church couldn't touch that $50,000. But what happened was, at the end of the year, on average, stock market goes up about 10% a year. So 10% of $50,000 is $5,000. At the end of the year, the annuity board would send a check to her church for $5,000 for VBS. Forever. Every single year, she had it set up in her will that her church is getting a check for the interest on her $50,000 gift. That sweet lady paid, and still paying for today, that church's VBS forever. She's in heaven with Jesus, paying for children to get saved at her church. Guys, that is good stewardship. That is smart. That woman was wise. She understood that she wanted, even when she was gone, she's continued, when she's in the hev with heaven with the Lord, she continued wanting to be a blessing to her church. That's what's called doubling or tripling your talent. Do you know Jesus said, when you sow certain seed, it's ten, fifty, a hundredfold. You and I need to be believers that God is blessing. God is using us for a hundredfold increase. The parable of the talents, and if you want a life with seven basketfuls left over, you and I have to get control of where our money is going, where we're spending it, where it's going, and not only that, when we're gone, where it's going to go. We want to be a blessing. Even when you're having your funeral right here and your casket is right here, you are continuing to bless people at your church. Do you know Jesus established the church? He didn't establish the University of Kentucky. He didn't establish any other, other nonprofit organization. He established a local church to reach local communities for Him. Our mission, what we do as a church with our money, everything we do here at Broadway should be pointing people to Jesus. It should be communicating the gospel, teaching folks how they could be saved. That's the type of church Sherry and I want to give to. That's the type of church I want to pastor. That's the type of church you want to belong to. That's the type of church you want to give to. This morning, Chris, I want to invite our band to come forward. We're going to have our invitation. This morning's <clears throat> invitation, I want you to look at these three baskets. Think about what I just shared. Your earned income. Do you tithe on that? Think about capital expenses. Do you have savings accounts? Do you have certificate deposits? Treasury notes that you have long forgotten about? That's not part of your regular cash flow. God holds us responsible. Your estate, do you have a will? Have you included the Lord in your will? Are you going to be a blessing to other people when you're within the presence of Jesus? Sharing I are. Listen, God wants us. You have talents. You have resources. The worst thing you and I can do, I'm telling you, go bury your money. We do not bury treasure. We use our treasures to reach people for Jesus. We, God has called us as believers to be wise with what He has given us. God wants you and I 
to look at those three baskets and say, God, how am I using all three of these to advance your kingdom and to be a blessing for other people? I think it's incredibly awesome to be in heaven with the Lord and you're still giving every year to your church. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? And they'll, you know, that, that, they, they actually named, that church named in honor of that sweet lady that's paying for her VBS every year, to, forever, till Jesus comes back. Because they can't touch the money that's there. It just goes up every year, the interest. That is what God's asking you and I to do. I remember if I ever stand up. We, have our, we close every single service with an invitation. I know this is a sermon on money and finances, but God is asking you, first of all, is He the Lord of your life? Jesus saves. When you get saved, every area of your life falls under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you need to make a decision this morning, or maybe you're just in a pew and you need to say, I need to get control of my talents, what the Lord's given me. I want to encourage you to get right with the Lord. We're going to have our invitation. I'll be standing down front waiting for you to reply. without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested my life began now ash was redeemed only beauty remains my orphan heart My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me. from my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully bore he canceled my debt and he called me his friend oh when death was arrested and my life began washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. Is your endless love pouring down on us? You have made us new. Now life begins with you.
displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in him. That's when death was arrested in my life. Great. Uh, God's certainly been moving. Great things have been happening. I'm about to announce an exciting decision here. Uh, here, we don't want the, we don't want the chalice to fall. Yep, that will, yep. So it's, yes, it's two tables. Up. I'll make two announcements. I'm going to introduce a, a decision here. Um, uh, with the close of this service, whenever we end, whenever we have the Lord's Supper, we have deacons at the four different doors. We collect what we call benevolent offerings. So if you feel led to give, it's a special, throughout the, throughout the year, we have different needs of expenses that come up. Maybe it helps folks pay bills or unexpected things, gas, whatever. Our deacons manage a benevolent fund. So if you feel led at the close of each of this service, as you exit, you can certainly give to the benevolent offering. I want to make one other quick announcement. We have something called a widow's banquet. If you know of a widow or a widower that has lost their spouse, this is a great thing the deacons head up. We cater to, uh, Texas Roadhouse. And it's going to be on Saturday, October 12th at 4 o'clock. We've got this a group coming in, a big performance for them. Um, and we serve food. The deacons do it all. It's a great event. So if you want to be on that list, we usually have about 100, 100 folks attend. You just need to call the church office so we can get a good head count if you're planning on coming to the widow's banquet. So that is, that's in a few weeks. All right, uh, Jeff, Danielle, y'all come stand up here real quick. <laughs> I know. It's always exciting when uh, new folks join the church and God's certainly moving. This here is Jeff and Danielle Lamb. They've been coming for several months now. So uh, Jeff's been coming here probably almost a year, I guess, so off and on uh, with that. They love the uh, 1109 service, love our church. 
Um, they have a, a, a daughter, Samantha, who's attending at UK. They're coming. They actually live in Frankfurt, but they're coming, in tra- they're coming to transfer in their membership here at Broadway Baptist Church. Let me tell you what churches they're coming from. Danielle was a, is, was a member at, um, it's called Florence Baptist Church up in northern Kentucky in Florence. And Jeff here is a member at a church called Farmingdale. Farmdale Baptist Church in Frankfurt. So both of them are uh, just very active, very much serving in their churches and coming here and uniting, exciting about being part of the Broadway family. So if you were excited for the Lamb family for coming and joining Broadway Baptist Church, will you join me in saying amen? Amen. So we're very excited. That is. I want to invite everyone to stand up. And the reason why we scooted this back is when we have new folks join the church, we have a receiving line. So before you go out the doors, make sure you come by and let Jeff and Danielle know that you're glad they're part of our church family. Amen. It's been a great morning this morning. We're glad that you're with us again. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you again for our time together this morning, for the the opportunity that we had to observe communion together. Lord, we thank you for Jeff and Danielle and their commitment to to you and to Broadway. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless their lives and use them as a blessing to our church and our community. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a good afternoon.